0: You know, uh, I had a very, very good father, and uh, my father was a great blessing to me, and and, and I was thinking about my dad taught me a lot of things. Cordell, my dad taught me how to set the points on a car, how to gap a uh, spark plug, how to set the timing and knowing the firing order. How many of y'all know that? How many have used it lately? No, you know, uh, but my dad, I was thinking of the things he taught me. My dad told me many, many times, you've got to be a positive influence on everyone you see. And my dad encouraged me to always be that positive influence. My dad, would, we'd go out to a pond, and he'd throw a rock in the pond, and dad says, that kerplunk is your life. The ripples are the effect of your life. And I've used that as a goal of my life that, you know, my dad has instilled within me the point that I need to make ripples in other people's lives and and I strive to do that and I have strived to do that. So today we come and many of you have great lessons from your dad. Some of you have some very bad lessons from your your dad. My granddad was a very, very bad example. My granddad was an alcoholic. And when my granddad was sober, he was the nicest man in the world. He and my grandmother were married to each other four different times. My great-grandmother would set him up in farming, and they would be, he would be sober and do well for several years, and then he'd get drunk and run away and be mean. My grandfather always tried to cut you when he was drunk. He was a little man, and he had the little man syndrome. And I I, I remember one time that my grandfather was at the house and he was drunk and he was mean and he was trying to cut us and uh, Madison was like Mayberry. Madison was just like Mayberry and my grandfather, uh, he was mean and doing all kinds of bad stuff at the house and dad called the police. And I walked out on the porch with dad as the police was taking my granddad off. And they said, dad said to them, and I can remember just like yesterday, Dad said to them, take him down to the jail and just sober him up. Yeah, we will. We will. And so they took my granddad off to sober him up. That night, I was scared to death. I knew he was going to come back and he was going to be mad at dad for having him arrested. And he was going to come in the house and he was going to kill us all. I knew he would. He didn't, I knew he would. And so I went through the house and I got tennis shoes and shoes and put before every door because we didn't have locks on our door. Uh, We didn't lock our house. And so I put shoes and everything in front of the doors so that if I heard my grandfather come in, then I could go hide. Now I don't, I'm brave. I'm not worried about the rest of the family, it's me. So I found, how many of y'all remember a rollaway bed? Okay, I found that I could squeeze, now it was a day or two ago, okay? I could squeeze into that rollaway bed and I would be safe. Well, Granddad didn't come back. But that fear still lingers with me. Some of you have had fathers that created that fear in you. Some of you had fathers that never gave you the instruction you needed, never taught you. I, I, I'm reminded of a, a, a of a, a grade school kid and uh, he came to church one Sunday and the preacher had sermon up in front for the kids and he said, who among you can count? And this little boy put up his hand. He said, you can count? Yes, sir. Well, Timmy, tell me what comes after eight. Nine. Good, Timmy, that's very good. What comes after nine? Ten. Very commonly. Wonderful, Timmy, wonderful. And what comes after 10? Jack? <laughs> we all have lessons from our Father that teach us many different things. But today we have a lesson of our Father. And our Father teaches us in, in Matthew, the 10th chapter. And uh, got the wrong Bible, but we're going to do it. Uh, in the 10th chapter, Matthew, he says... So do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell are not two sparrows sold for a penny now i want you to focus on this are not two sparrows sold for a penny yet not one of them will far, fall not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care and even the very hairs of your head are numbered some of you that's not too big of a problem So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Remember that. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. This morning as we gather here to talk and to share I wanna talk to you about this and uh, a couple others, and I'd like to commend, excuse me, I'd like to commend Tim for his communion meditation on the family today because uh, he he stole part of the sermon. I shouldn't have told him. But uh, how many of you run marathons? How many of you, uh, Angie, you, you run? Have you ever heard of Rick or Dick Hoyt? No. Anybody here heard of Rick or Dick Hoyt? I encourage you to look up those names, Rick and Dick Hoyt. You see, Rick Hoyt was born with cerebral palsy. And Rick Hoyt had a loving mother and father. And that loving mother and father had to wait 10 years for Rick to speak. Now think about it. Your baby cannot speak for 10 years. And the doctors, others, you need to put Rick into an institution. But they were determined not. And in the 10 years, they found a computer program that would aid in his communication. And one day, Rick, and they found out he was a very intelligent person. And one day, Rick said, he had seen in town that there was going to be a, a 5K run for those children uh, raising money for those children who have been injured in accidents. And Rick said to his dad, I want to run in that 5K. And Rick's dad said, how are you going to run? He said, you're going to push me. And Dick said, I'm out of shape, I can't do that, but I will. And so Dick tried to get ready for it and he pushed Rick in that 5K. Well, when that 5K was over, Dick received a message from Rick, his son, and it was stated, Today I do not feel handicapped. Dick thought that was amazing. Fast forward. Rick and Dick participated in 34 Boston Marathons. They participated in several Ironman competitions. Dick made a special basket to carry Rick behind him on the bicycle. He made a special boat that he could pull in the 5K in the water, or in the Ironman in the water, and he pushed him. And they participated in over a 1,000 marathons, and 5Ks. Last March, a year ago, 2021, Dick died and Rick became uh, retired from running. Now, how did Rick contribute to society? Well, Rick became a computer designer for the University of Boston, and he now resides in Boston. And if you'll go to GodTube and you type in Rick and Dick Hoyt, H-O-Y-T, you can see some wonderful, wonderful GodTube uh, messages and song and example. Now, we're talking about a father's love. A father, Tim said he'd go to any lengths for his daughter and his family. This is an example of a father that was willing to go any lengths for his family. And from, I I, I see that, I know their mother was very involved. I know it's, uh, uh, it's there, but you see the key is, Rick nor Dick ever gave up. They knew they could make a difference. And now the Boston Marathon has a special award for the Hoyts and it's called Teamwork Award. That's making a difference. And that's the kind of father's love that says, aren't two sparrows worth more than a penny? And yet you're worth with many sparrows. So the thing I wanna say to you today is you are loved. You are loved. Now, some of you, And some of us have had fathers that never used the word love you. It's not masculine to say, I love you to my kids. That's hogwash. We need to be telling our children all the time that we love them. And we need to be an example as a father. Tommy Wade posted yesterday a very, very moving article And in the article, Tommy said 25 million children, 33% have no father in the household. 33% of the children in America have no father in the household. In 1960, 11% had no father. Now we're talking about the household. And in Tommy's statistics, Tommy stated that those who have no father do not have an example. And without that example, they become, they become the criminals, the people without leadership in their lives. Thank God I had a good father and I've had good fatherly examples over the years. And I can name you several individuals that have been there to make a difference in my life. And that's the next point I wanna make. But I wanna tell you, uh, Mike Singletary was a Chicago Bear uh, football player, and Mike Singletary's father left him when he was 12 years old. And Mike Singletary's mother raised them, and Mike Singletary said that this was a tradition of the Singletaries that as soon as the kids get uh, about teenagers, they all leave. And, 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 and there was no reason. They all left. So Singletary said, I am not going to leave. I'm going to be a father to my children. And he was. And he is. And Singletary, after he retired from football, became a speaker. And, and, and one of the places he went, he went to a prison, a women's prison. And the first thing he did in his message to the women, I want to apologize to you. I want to apologize to you women for the way your fathers or other men have treated you because I think that is a contribution or a contributing factor for you being here. Not all of you, but many of you. And in his message as he was speaking to them, many of the women were crying and weeping and hurting. And he said it, it just was refreshing to hear some of these women uh, feel the the, the, clearing, the clearing of their lives because he was apologizing to them. In 1985, or in 1995, he went to a men's Hispanic prison. And in this Hispanic prison, he went in and he was telling them about his father and about the, the problems of, of them not having fathers and the scars that they have because they don't have these fathers. And one Hispanic man came up and started beating me on the chest. The guard started pulling him away. He said, don't, 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 don't. Let him take his anger out and relieve his pain. That's the kind of scars some people have. That's the kind of scars that we people have left. Maybe you're one of them. Maybe you're hurting today. Maybe you're struggling today. Not all fathers are good. And not all fathers are pleasing to the Lord. Not all fathers are so concerned that they know the number of hairs on your head. And then that brings me to my last point. Look at your watches. If we can turn the pages, it's the family. And Tim was so good about touching on the family, but uh, I, I, I want to talk. I, I want to talk to you about the family. I, I think. Well, first of all, statistics show that the majority of you have a home that is twice the size of your parents', and my income was four hundred percent more than my father's but some of you most of you have a home twice the size of your parents in my parents house the kitchen was the main room of the house when John and Chris were growing up I think the kitchen was a very key part of their lives because we sat at the kitchen table we reviewed the happenings of the day we went over what we were doing and what was going on, and the kitchen. Uh, since Sharon left, and even before Sharon left, the dining room table was where we had family meetings, and we discussed the affairs of the family and the happenings of the family. In the family today, I don't think many families get together at around the table to talk. I hope I'm wrong, but let me, let me, Talk about God's family. The church is God's family. Amen? The church is God's family. And if the church ceases to be a family, then the household ceases to be a family. Because we're the example. Do you know that in the first five books of the New Testament, the word discipleship is used or disciple is used over 380 times. In the first five books of the Bible, disciple, discipleship is used over 380 times, almost 400, let's say 400, it's used 400 times. The rest of the New Testament, how many times is disciple used? It's not. Now some translations do that. But it's brothers and sisters in Christ, household of faith, God's family, children of God. You see, in the five books is the establishment of the church, the history of the church. But once the church is established, it's there and we are to be a family. We are to encourage one another. We're to lift up one another. We're to love one another. Why aren't we doing that? Oh, we go through the motions. Folks, we are the family of God, and we have a father who loves us. We have a father who is so concerned with us that he knows the hairs on your head. We have a father. That hurts when we hurt. We have a father that truly loves us. And you fathers who love your children. And as Tim said, we want to make life easier for them. We want to help them and herd them away from that which hurts them. Isn't that what God's doing for us, the church? We as the church need to return to being a a family, caring for one another, seeing one another, working with one another, and lifting up one another. We need to be concerned. Steve Coleman's brother died. We ought to hurt for Steve and pray for him. Sarah Springer, who among you have not been hit by a purse? Sarah Springer is having a great deal of difficulty. Uh, she's been very sick, very weak, and uh, uh, she's back home. She'd been at Tommy's. She's back home the last I heard she's back home. But Sarah is really struggling right now. And what's next for her? She doesn't know. The father of all of us, Bill, Bill struggles, but Bill, thank you for being here. Bill, thank you for making an example that when my toe hurts, I don't want to come to church. But you're coming, and it's a struggle for you to get in here, and I know it. But Bill, as a part of the family, you're showing me an example. Thank you for that example. (laughs) Thank you, Lexi. Lexi, would you stand up? Where are you? Lexi, if you haven't been hugged by he- Lexi, you don't count. No, Lexi loves everybody. And Lexi's out there, I, I, I feel so much energy when Lexi comes up and hugs me. Lexi is the greatest greeter that anybody and any church could ever have. Thank you, Lexi. <laughs> you see, we're a family. We're a family. When LMA fell, we felt the loss of LMA. We kept asking the boys, when's your mama coming back? How's she doing? She's doing well. At first, she doesn't get out at all. Then she gets out every Friday. I don't know where she went on the beauty shop Friday tours, but she gets out on Fridays to go to the beauty shop. And now, Ella it's great you're back in the family. We missed you, and thank God you're improving every day. Thank you. You see, brothers and sisters, we're a family. We're a family. And I could go on, I can go on. We're a family. And as the family of God, we are looking to our Heavenly Father... And we're seeing his love to us. And in his love to us, we we feel that love, that embrace. We feel that knowledge that God loves us so much. Jesus loves me, this I know, because the Bible tells me, but because you tell me. Our message is to take to the world that Jesus Christ loves us us and Jesus Christ loves us more than we could ever understand do you feel that do you feel that love that he he, he, he's there with you he loves you so much he gave his son to die for you and Jesus said if it be possible daddy find another way but daddy if there ain't no other way then I take up the cross. And Jesus, on that cross, Paul said, bore the sins of all of us. And so today, we have the love of God. Today, we have the strength of God. Today, we are loved. Today, we are to love. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity we've had to be together today. I thank you for this Father's Day, and I I, I thank you for my dad teaching me to drive, teaching me to set the points and and, and, and the spark plug gaps, but I thank you for him teaching me so many other lessons. I remember him telling me on the day, Sharon and I got married, to be respectful always and to honor the vows. I thank you for the example of my father and I pray that I might be a positive example on my son and upon this community. That I always show Jesus Christ and I always show the Heavenly Father who loves us, who honors us, and who is prepared a place that we can be with him forever. And what a great, great message that is. You know, in the scripture we read, if we don't do the love of the Father, there's a place in hell. But if we do the Father... There's a place in heaven of joy, of comfort, and peace. So today, Father, we gather to honor our earthly fathers, but every Sunday we gather to honor you and every day of our lives, we praise you for your greatness, for your holiness, and for your majesty. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. And if you do not know the love of the Father, I invite you to come down and let us introduce that to you.